Today's podcast is brought to you by newspapers.com, the ultimate destination for exploring the mysteries of the past. If you're fascinated by true crime, get ready to dive into the stories that made headlines. Newspapers.com offers a billion pages of historical newspapers from the U.S. and beyond, and you can search the entire collection in seconds. Their vast newspaper collection is a goldmine for eyewitness accounts, crime scene photos, news reports, and more. Whether you're interested in famous crimes or long-forgotten cases, Newspapers.com gives you a front-row seat to more than 300 years of history. For our listeners, Newspapers.com has a special offer. Use the code CUPOFMURDER for an exclusive 20% discount on your subscription. That's promo code CUPOFMURDER at Newspapers.com. Sign up today and start unraveling the true crime mysteries that keep you up at night. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. Life is harder for some. They are dealt a more difficult hand and find it nearly impossible to climb out. This is especially hard when you are young and feel like everyone has given up on you. On July 2nd, 1982, a young girl was born who, pretty early on, had life deal her a very difficult hand. A girl who had to put herself in a dangerous situation because she felt there was no one there to help protect her. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Amber Gale Creek was born on July 2nd, 1982 in Park Ridge, Illinois, and raised in Palatine. At a tragically early age, Amber was sexually abused and, as a result, taken from her mother's care and placed with her father, Robert. According to those who knew her, this move and some much-needed therapy seemed beneficial for the young girl. And, up until mid-1996, Amber was described by friends and family as a typical preteen girl. That was until she reached the ages of 14 and 15. Something about this entry into her teen years sent Amber back on a crash course, and soon she found herself abusing drugs and alcohol, suffering from long periods of depression, and frequently running away from her father's home. She grew out of control, with one psychiatrist warning her father that, quote, someone's going to kill her if we don't do something. For whatever reason, her father's solution was to take her to a local police station and ask that she be removed from his custody and named a ward of the state. And after several unsuccessful attempts to force her into foster care, she was placed into a group home for young women. Though most saw this as a deplorable action from an otherwise loving father, those who knew him said he did all that he could to help keep Amber safe. But because he could not foot the bill for the $50,000 private residential therapy she needed, felt that this was his only option. Now on her own and having nowhere to turn, Amber began a career in sex work to try and make ends meet. Despite all of this, though, Amber remained in contact with certain members of her family, though she kept her location a secret and once told her stepmother, it's easier to be high, homeless, and on the run than be sober. On January 23rd, 1997, Amber Creek ran away from a juvenile shelter for abused and neglected children in Chicago and was reported missing. She was last seen at a hotel party in Railing Meadows the following month and was seen leaving with an unidentified man. 
Because this was a common occurrence for Amber, the department responsible for handling her took its time passing along her information to places like missing persons websites. And when Robert did finally submit Amber's information, many of the details were incorrect and the photo was of a completely different child. Everyone thought Amber would come back. She always did. And they hoped that this was just another one of her runaways and she would be back fairly soon. But on February 9th, 1997, when the frozen body of a teenage girl was discovered by hunters in Karcher Springs State Natural Park in Burlington, Wisconsin, all of those hopes were completely dashed. But not just yet. No, it would take just about a year for Amber's friends and family to find out what happened to her. Found with a plastic bag around her head, cause of death was determined to be asphyxiation. She showed signs of extensive beatings, with slashes on her face and a bite mark on her neck, and signs that she had been raped sometime during her capture. Written on the palm of her hand was the word hi, with her arm extended as if she was giving the greeting, and a price tag from a bookstore was on one of her arms. She was missing most of her clothes, her underwear stuffed in her pants pocket, and investigators later determined that she was likely killed at a different location and disposed of at the nature reserve. After getting enough information to create a reconstruction, the body of the Jane Doe was buried after a funeral that was attended by a hundred locals. Police spent thousands of hours comparing DNA, dental records, and fingerprints from the body with names in their system. And it wasn't until June 26, 1998, that the case was linked with a missing girl from Illinois, Amber Creek. According to the story, when watching America's Most Wanted, Robert saw an episode covering the Wisconsin Jane Doe. He suspected that the unidentified body belonged to his daughter, contacted police, and took a DNA test to confirm his worries. Robert claimed that he had been searching the streets and driving all throughout the local area to try and find his daughter, only to find out that she met such a tragic end. So, now that they knew who she was, they shifted their investigation to find out exactly what happened to her and who was responsible. In October of 2013, an Oklahoma crime lab began re-examining fingerprints taken from unsolved murders, which led to Amber's case reopening in February of 2014. At some point, the examiners took a thumbprint that was found on the garbage bag covering her head and matched it to a man named James Paul Eaton now 36, but just 19 when when Amber went missing and living in Palatine, Illinois, just like Amber. In fact, they lived in the same apartment complex and hung out with the same group of friends, though they themselves were not considered close by any means. Now, at the time of Amber's identification, James's fingerprints weren't in the system. It wasn't until he was arrested for possession of drug paraphernalia in 2000 that his prints were finally added to the system allowing for this match in 2014. Tracking him down on March 22, 2014 in Chicago, investigators collected a discarded cigarette butt to match his DNA to that found at the scene. It was a match. He was arrested that April and charged with first-degree murder and concealing a body. While in custody, James remained tight-lipped about the crime and pleaded not guilty at his arraignment in October 2014. Just before the trial was set, James's defense attorney stated that he had not been given all of the evidence in the case, so it was delayed. Then, when the defense said that they needed more time locating an individual to examine the bite mark on Amber's neck and DNA, the trial was delayed a second time. A judge eventually ruled that the information obtained during his interrogation 
including the reaction he had when police showed him photos of Amber, were not admissible in court because police continued to question James after he asked for a lawyer. They didn't acknowledge his request until he made it a third time, though he did say the information that they gathered the next day could be admitted. Finally, after all of the back and forth, James Eaton pleaded no contest to a reduced charge of first-degree reckless homicide, and he was sentenced to 40 years with an eligibility for parole in just 10. During the testimonies, James's sister said that whether or not her brother was involved in Amber's murder, he was no longer the same boy he was in the mid-90s. That he was, quote, no longer the lost, angry teen that he was back then. According to the district attorney, the state offered James a lesser charge after the court accepted a defense motion that raised the idea that someone else could have killed Amber. In fact, Amber's own uncle believes that James couldn't have acted alone and that the unnamed suspect, who was questioned in 1997 and in 2015, admitted to having a sexual relationship with Amber, that they engaged in choking and was found to be a contributor to the DNA mixture found on her underwear meaning that James, while involved in her death in some way, was not the only monster responsible for her brutal murder. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on July 3rd. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu.